Well, hey everybody, I'm Adam Shell, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and welcome to our sermon podcast. In this episode of our podcast, we're continuing on in our sermon series called The Best Christmas Ever. But throughout this series, we're not talking about what you can do to make this the best Christmas ever. Because the reality is that no matter how hard you try, you can't make this Christmas perfect. Toys are going to get broken, your kids are going to ask for stuff you don't want them to have, whether it's a BB gun or a bucket of slime or a real-life pony, and you're going to strike out on some of the presents that you buy. So instead of increasing the stress and the pressure that so many of us already feel this time of year, what we really want to talk about throughout this series of sermons is what you can do to make the best of this Christmas. Now, to help you do that, to help you make the best of whatever this Christmas may bring, throughout this series of sermons, what we're doing is talking about some of the reasons why you want Christmas to be perfect to begin with, and then we're talking about what you can do to set those reasons aside so you can really enjoy the Christmas that you're going to have. So in today's episode, we're going to be talking about another reason why we all want to have a perfect Christmas. And today we're going to see that we want to have a perfect Christmas to keep other people from complaining. But no matter what, we'll also realize that that just isn't going to happen. So let's get right into this episode sermon. doesn't know 
if all of the effort, all of the hard work that he puts in to dropping these hens and begging for a BB gun is actually going to pay off until Christmas morning rolls around. It's not until he hops out of bed and walks downstairs, passes out all the Christmas presents, and every gift is opened up on Christmas Day that Ralphie realizes if he's going to get a BB gun for Christmas or if he's going to end up feeling disappointed instead. Now, if you've ever seen the movie A Christmas Story, you know how it ends. And since the movie came out in 1983 and it plays round the clock on Christmas Eve every year, I don't feel bad if I'm about to spoil the ending for you. You should know how it goes by now. But Ralphie gets that BB gun for Christmas, and then he proceeds to go outside and almost shoot his eye out. But have you ever wondered what would have happened if Ralphie didn't get his BB gun for Christmas? Or have you ever wondered what would have happened if when he opened up that box, he found that his BB gun was broken? Now, i got to tell you, I never asked for a BB gun for Christmas when I was a kid, but I've got a pretty good idea of how Ralphie would have reacted in either one of those situations, because I know exactly how I reacted one Christmas when I was disappointed with the gift that I had received. Now, this happened long, long ago when I was like six or seven years old. And that Christmas, all I wanted was one particular gift. So when I sat down to make up my Christmas list, I did what every kid does when they write the most important thing on their Christmas list. I circled it half a dozen times, drew enough stars beside it to fill up the night sky. And if I could have, I would have installed a flashing neon sign beside it and said, this is what I want for Christmas, just so there was no doubt. But until Christmas morning actually rolled around, I had no idea if I was going to get this gift or not. So Christmas morning came, and after unwrapping a mountain of presents that day, I was surrounded by shreds of wrapping paper, and I was surrounded by empty boxes and a pile of toys and candy and other Christmas goodies. But I still hadn't received the one gift that I wanted for Christmas. But there was still one present left to be opened, and it had my name on it. So there was still one more chance for me to find out if all of those stars and all of those circles, if all of my efforts to be a good boy that year were actually going to pay off or not. Well, I could barely contain my excitement as I slipped my finger into one of the seams of the wrapping paper. And as I started to tear it back, my eyes had to have been as big as saucers. And as I got my first glimpse of what was inside of that package, I started grinning from ear to ear because I saw what I had been waiting so long See, and when that present was finally completely unwrapped, I held in my hands an official scale replica WWF wrestling ring, complete with elastic ropes and an ounce tape. Now, you gotta remember, I am a child of the 1980s, and when you grew up in the 80s as a little boy, there were professional wrestling was like the third coolest thing in the world, behind MacGyver and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So I had wanted this wrestling ring for a long, long time. And when I held that box in my hand, I couldn't help but imagine the epic battles that my action figures were going to be able to have as Hulk Hogan battled it out against Andre the Giant, or the Macho Man fought it out with the Ultimate Warrior, or when Leonardo fought the Shredder. Because, yeah, Ninja Turtles can go into a wrestling ring, too. But none of those epic matches could take place. Because 
as I was holding that box in my hand, I saw those three words printed on the box that have been the bane of every parent's existence one Christmas Eve or another. Those three words are, some assembly required. I had to put the ring together. So I opened up the box, dumped all the parts out on the floor, started putting the pieces of the wrestling ring together. And when I got to the final ring post of this wrestling ring, I came to one of the most horrific realizations of my young life. The ring post was broken. And without that ring post, I was going to have a wrestling triangle, not a wrestling ring. And that is what got cut. So you better believe I let everybody know about my disappointment on Christmas Day. When my sister was playing with one of her brand new My Little Pony dolls, I complained that my toy was broken. When my brothers were playing with their brand new A-Team van, I complained that my toy was broken. When my parents pointed out that I had roughly a zillion other toys that I could have been playing with that day, I complained that my toy was broken. When we all piled into our minivan and headed over to have Christmas brunch with our extended family that day, and everybody else there was piling their plates high with breakfast casseroles and cinnamon rolls, I complained that my toy was broken. It didn't matter what else happened that Christmas day, I complained that my toy was broken. So, by the time my family piled back into our minivan and left my extended family that day, I think all of my aunts and uncles and cousins and grandparents were glad to see me go. Because I wouldn't say that I ruined their Christmas that year. Most of them may not even remember. But I'm pretty confident that no one would say that that was the best Christmas ever. And of course, that's what we've been talking about at Melbourne Heights throughout this Christmas season. We're in the middle of a series of sermons today called The Best Christmas Ever. But if you came here today or tuned in today hoping that I was going to give you tips or tricks or advice on how you can make sure that none of your kids or grandkids' toys break on Christmas Day, or if you were hoping that maybe I could help you figure out how you can convince your kid that they don't need a BB gun for Christmas without breaking their poor little heart, or if maybe you're just hoping that I can give you some advice that will help you figure out how to buy exactly what your kids or everyone on your list wants for Christmas this year, you're going to be disappointed. Because during this series of sermons, we're not really talking about what you can do to make this the best Christmas ever. We're talking about something else instead. And that's because no matter how hard you try to make this Christmas perfect, it just isn't going to work. You can't make this Christmas perfect. Because you know what? Come Christmas Day, toys are going to break. And when your kids sit down to make their Christmas list, they're going to write some things on it that you don't want them to have, whether it's a BB gun or a bucket of slime or a real-life pony. And yeah, you're also going to strike out on some of the presents that you buy for the people on your list this year. It's just what happens at Christmas. So instead of giving you some sort of false expectation or hope that somehow, someway, you might actually be able to have the perfect Christmas and raising the stress level that so many of us already feel this time of year. We really want to talk about something else during this series. So instead of trying to have the best Christmas ever, we want you to make the best of this Christmas. 
instead of trying to have the best Christmas ever, we want you to make the best of this Christmas. So to help you do that, to help you make the best of this Christmas, every week during the series, we're talking about one of the reasons why so many of us want to have a perfect Christmas to begin with. And then we're talking about what we need to do to set that reason for wanting to have a perfect Christmas aside so that you can actually enjoy the Christmas that you're going to really have this year. And the reason that I want to talk about today, that so many of us want to have a perfect Christmas, is the one that I alluded to in the story that I told you a couple minutes ago. You know, the story where I was acting like a complete and total brat? Yeah, that story. Well, what was the reason for wanting to have a perfect Christmas that we could learn from that story? Well, we want to have a perfect Christmas because we don't want anyone to complain. We want to have a perfect Christmas because we don't want anyone to complain. Now, let's just be honest. We all realize that we live in a world that is filled with complaining. We as human beings, we like to complain. We complain about the weather. We complain about the economy. We complain about politics. We complain about gas prices or grocery prices. We complain about the ending to the latest Marvel movie that we've seen. We complain about the way that our favorite sports team is performing or isn't performing. And you better believe that we also love to complain about Christmas. We complain when somebody starts putting up a Christmas tree before they take down their Halloween jack-o'-lanterns. We complain that the lines on Black Friday stretch all the way around the block. We complain about the money that we have to spend to buy Christmas gifts for people that we don't really even know or even really like. We complain about the fruitcake that our Aunt Edith sends us every single Christmas. We complain about the traffic that we have to fight through on Christmas Day just to be able to go and visit our families. We complain when our mom burns the Christmas cookies. And we complain when somebody buys us a sweater that's the wrong size or when one of our toys breaks on Christmas Day. We complain, and we complain, and we complain some more. But believe it or not, there's actually a good reason why we do all of this complaining. There's a retired sociologist from Yale University whose name is Tommy, Thomas Hendricks, who explains why we complain so much and why it's so important. And he tells us that we complain is a way to vent our frustration about situations that we cannot control. And we all need to do that sometimes. We all need to be able to vent our frustrations when we find ourselves in situations that are beyond our control. But there is a very fine line between venting your frustrations about things that annoy you and annoying everyone around you while you're venting your frustrations. And when you cross that line, when you're venting and complaining starts annoying everybody all around you, that's when you can ruin an entire experience for everyone else. And yeah, that's what I did that Christmas long, long ago when I spent the whole day complaining about my broken wrestling ring. And you've been there too. You've experienced that too. At some point or another, you have been to a Christmas celebration with your family, with your friends, with somebody else, where someone's complaining just completely ruined that holiday celebration for you. So, we want to have the perfect Christmas so that no one can complain and ruin the celebration for everyone else. But if that's how you act, 
actually feel, I've got bad news for you. And I need to let you in on a little secret right now. So are you ready to hear what the secret is? Well, here it goes. Even if your Christmas celebration is perfect, someone will still complain. You may need to write that down. It's pretty important to realize. Even if your Christmas celebration is perfect, someone is still going to complain about it. And if you ever doubt that reality, let me just remind you of the very first Christmas. Now, on the very first Christmas, that's when Jesus, who is the Messiah, the anointed one of God, is born. And the people of Israel have been waiting thousands upon thousands of years for the Messiah to come. So you would expect that everyone in all of Israel would have been happy and excited and glad when they heard the news that the Messiah had come. But you'd be wrong. And that's because there was at least one person in Israel who wasn't very happy when he heard the good news that the Messiah had been born. The guy's name was Herod. And Herod was the king of the Jews when Jesus was born. And Herod knew that when the Messiah came, and one of the predictions about the Messiah is that he would rule over all of Israel. Well, that was a problem for Herod, because Herod currently ruled over all of Israel. And if the Messiah came and he was going to rule over all of Israel, that meant that Herod was going to be out of a job. So Herod wasn't very happy when he heard the good news that Jesus had been born. Instead, let me tell you how Herod re- reacted to the good news of Jesus' birth. We find this in Matthew chapter 2. This is what we're told. This is how Herod reacted. He grew very angry. He sent soldiers to kill all the children in Bethlehem and all the surrounding territory who were two years old and younger. So even when everyone else in all of Israel is celebrating, is going to be happy to hear the news that a Messiah has been born, there's at least one person who wasn't very happy about that good news. What the story reminds us of is what I told you just a second ago. It's absolutely true. Even if you do everything right at Christmas, there's still going to be people who complain. Somebody's going to look at your Christmas tree on Christmas Day, and they're going to think, they didn't put enough lights on that. And somebody else is going to look at that exact same tree and think, they put too many lights on that Christmas tree. Somebody's going to complain that you should have cooked turkey instead of ham for Christmas dinner. Somebody is going to complain that you spent too much money to buy toys for your kids or your grandkids this year. Somebody is going to complain about anything and everything that they possibly can. It's just how we speak tend to operate. So, if you want to make the best of this Christmas, instead of trying to make Christmas perfect so that no one can complain and ruin the celebration for everyone else, actually need to do something else instead. And the something else that you need to do is something that Jesus teaches his disciples to do in the Gospel of Matthew. So if you've got a Bible close by, let me encourage you to go ahead and grab it and turn to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. Now, as you're finding Matthew 10, let me just remind you that the book of Matthew is essentially a biography of Jesus. So in the book of Matthew, you're going to be able to read about Jesus' birth and his baptism. You'll read about Jesus' ministry and the miracles that he performed. You'll read about Jesus' crucifixion and his resurrection. But in the passage that we're looking at today, I want you to hear what Jesus tells his disciples to do. 
people complain when he sends his disciples out to share the good news that the Messiah is coming. So Matthew chapter 10, I'm going to start reading in verse 5. Here's what it says. Since Jesus sent these twelve out and commanded them, Don't go among the Gentiles or into the Samaritan city. Go instead to the lost sheep, the people of Israel. And as you go, make this announcement. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those with skin diseases. And throw out demons. All right, now I want to pause right here for just a second because I want to make sure that you understand what Jesus is sending his disciples out to do. Jesus is sending his disciples out to tell everyone that they meet that God is near to them. And to prove that God is near to them, Jesus' disciples are going to heal the sick. They're going to raise the dead. They're going to cleanse people of diseases. And they're going to throw out demons. Now, I don't know about you, but if I could do any of those things, if I could heal the sick or raise the dead, or if I could cleanse people of their diseases, or if I could throw out demons, I would expect people would be pretty happy to see me, right? I don't think anyone, I wouldn't expect anyone to complain when I came to their town. But Jesus, Jesus knows better than that. Jesus knows that as the disciples go out and they share the good news that God is near to everyone. As they go out and as they are healing the sick and raising the dead and cleansing people of diseases and casting out demons, they're going to be As we keep reading in Matthew chapter 10, we're to hear what Jesus tells them to do when folks complain about the work the disciples are doing. So let's turn back to Matthew chapter 10 and we'll pick up in verse 12. Here's what Jesus tells them. He says, when you go into a house, say, peace. If the house is worthy, give it your blessing of peace. But if the house isn't worthy, take back your blessing. If anyone refuses to welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off of your feet as you leave that house or city. So what does Jesus tell his disciples to do when people are complaining about them? He tells them to knock the dust off of their feet and move on. And Jesus does that because he knows that the work that he is sending his disciples to do It's too important for them to have that work ruined by people who are complaining about the calling that God has given them. Well, Christmas is too important of a season for you to have it ruined by someone that is complaining about the way that you celebrate. So if you want to make the best of this Christmas, you've got to be able to do the same thing that Jesus told his disciples to do when you hear people complaining. You've got to be able to shake it off and move on. Christmas is too important for it to be ruined by people complaining about the way that you celebrate. So when somebody is complaining about how much money you spend to buy gifts or the way that you decorate or the food that you decided to serve, you've got to be able to shake it off. And you've got to be able to celebrate Christmas the way that you want to celebrate Christmas. Because just because somebody doesn't like how many lights you put on the tree or somebody doesn't like the protein that you served at Christmas dinner, or somebody doesn't like the gifts that you were given, it doesn't mean that you're wrong. 
shake it off. Celebrate Christmas the way that you want to celebrate Christmas. Put up the decorations that you want to put up. Buy gifts for the people that you want to buy gifts for. Spend the money that you want to spend on those gifts. Serve the food that you want to serve. Prepare it. Fix it yourself. And don't feel bad if you have to go to the grocery store and buy some of it instead. Celebrate it the way that you want to celebrate Christmas. Instead of worrying about what everyone else is going to say. Because the reality is there will always be people who complain. But you can't let people's complaints ruin this entire season. A season is just too important for a few little things to drag it down. Because no matter what someone else may say, as long as you're celebrating the birth of Jesus, there's nothing wrong with the way that you celebrate Christmas. Let's pray together. God, as we come to you in this time of prayer, we're thankful for the words that we've heard. And God, you know that these are words that some of us really need to hear at Christmas time. Because we will put so much stress, so much pressure on ourselves to try to make everything perfect so that everyone will be happy. But God, the reality is that no matter what we do, there's always going to be someone who complains. So rather than fixating on one person who may be upset about one small thing, let us remember what this season is really about. Christmas, you sent your son into this world to experience everything that it means to be human so that there can be nothing that comes between us and each other. Let us celebrate what this season is all about. Let us experience the joy that Jesus brings into this world. And let us be willing to shake off the complaints that try to bring us down. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Well, hey, it's Adam again, and I just want to thank you for tuning in to this episode of our sermon podcast. And I hope that this episode has encouraged you to just celebrate this Christmas the way that you want to. Because this season, the season where we remember Jesus' birth and we celebrate the good news that God entered into this world, is too important for you to let somebody's complaints ruin it. So even if somebody doesn't really like the way that you decorate or the menu that you choose to serve or the gifts that you give or how much money you spend, that doesn't mean that they're right. Celebrate Christmas the way that you want to. And as long as you're focused on Jesus, that's really all that matters. Well, in our next episode, we're going to be finishing up this series called The Best Christmas Ever. So you hope that you'll come back and join us when our next episode drops on Tuesday morning. As always, if you are subscribed to our podcast, that episode will be sent straight to your favorite podcasting app. But you also don't have to wait till next Tuesday to worship with us. We would love to have you come and worship with us online any Sunday morning. We worship at 1030 a.m. Eastern Time, and you can join us at Louisville. Dot com slash live. Well, until next time, I hope that you have a great week. I will be praying for you, and we'll see you back here soon for another sermon podcast.